Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you'll hear us in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Talk is about to begin. Hey, 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 come on in. Welcome back to an emergency Buckeye Talk, Ohio State Lives. Doug Lamarie's in a hotel room, and I wasn't planning a pod tonight, but I brought my microphone just in case. And if Jeff, the tech subscriber, is out there listening, I was at a sports bar in Chicago watching the first half of Utah USC and coincidentally an Ohio State tech subscriber and a Buckeye Talk listener was there and Jeff came over and said hello and maybe he set uh, Utah off onto victory and Ohio State's going to make the playoff. We're going to talk about this briefly. We're going to come back on Sunday once the playoff is announced but Ohio State's in. The committee set this up and we're not, we're, I think we're doing this pod so you can listen to something while you're jumping up and down. Um, we talked with our tech subscribers before this happened about how you would feel about the possibility. There certainly was a group of people who thought, like, I I don't really want any part of Ohio State in the playoff. I don't think they deserve it. I can't get past um, the Michigan loss. And we're going to ask those people again, and I think everybody might be like, yeah, no, no, I'm fine. Um, here is the tech subscriber question that I asked before all of this, which is closer to your view of Ohio State's situation. If they make the playoff, great. If they don't, that's fine, 52%. They are one of the four best teams and deserve to make it, 27%. They lost to Michigan. They don't deserve to make the playoff, 21%. So it's that 21% I'm really interested in because we have to talk about the word deserve here. And I will just start off by saying it's, it's a stroke of luck for Ohio State that Ryan Day wasn't fired after Michigan loss or it would be really inconvenient to have to find an interim head coach for the playoff. So uh, disaster avoided on that one. Whew. Thank goodness they did not fire their 11-1 and coach after a loss to the rival. Deserve is a funny word. We have made this four-team playoff, and, and it's not the teams that deserve to make it because times sometimes deserve, right? What is, what is deserve? Deserve is a word we use in sports a lot, and I've actually gotten aggravated with some of the opinions about deserve, um, even during the course of that game. Sometimes three teams deserve it, but we decided on four. Sometimes six deserve it. Sometimes two deserve it. Frankly, I feel like some people right now would be happy 
for Georgia and Michigan to go undefeated, play in a two-team national championship game, and just like leave TCU out like Auburn got left out as an undefeated team. And be like, oh, well, sorry, because there really maybe isn't a fourth team by the criteria of deserve that makes the field, right? But I'm not sure what that means anymore. And the thing that aggravates me about the conversation, and I'm not saying I wasn't on the other side of that at times, is... In no other sport do we demand near perfection to deserve a chance at playing for a championship. That does not exist anywhere else. The Cincinnati Bengals last year were a wild card team, and they made the playoff and they made the Super Bowl. This year, the Kansas City Chiefs lost to the Indianapolis Colts. The Chiefs might be the best team in football. The Colts are one of the worst. They fired their coach. But if this was college football, we would have had... Andy Reid staring out into the abyss the way Urban Meyer was staring out into the abyss after the loss to Utah in 2017. We have to let teams lose. And I'm not saying this because Ohio State lost to Michigan, because I do think the rivalry always hurts no matter what the context is. But the idea that if you lose, that means you are not deserving of playing for a championship. You lost your last game to your rival and you gave up two late touchdown runs. You don't deserve to play in it. USC lost to USC twice. Uh, excuse me, USC lost to Utah twice, and their quarterback was limping through it at the end, and they have defensive holes. They don't deserve to play. TCU's played too many close games. What if Michigan loses to Purdue? We Alabama shouldn't get in in this scenario, and they won't. But the idea that, okay, well, they lost twice, they lost two close games, like that they don't, they have no case for deserving to play for a national championship. I want the 12 team playoff to get here. And I want the people who are stuck on deserve to apply it anywhere else. Why do we only apply it to 20 year olds? Why don't we apply it to the Chiefs not deserve, right? Can you not have lots of good performances and a bad performance or two? And maybe still it doesn't mean that you're out. So this was an example of that. I don't know that anybody expected it. And it, and you know, one of the other questions I asked was just how much does it wipe away the Michigan game? And a lot of people, there are people chiming in saying, man, I'm not worried about Michigan right now. Um, it doesn't wipe it away. That stays, but does it have to ruin every other part of your season? The rivalry game, I think stands alone in what it means to Ohio state football. So I get that, that, that pain, that, wanting to get back at them, what that means for the program, that it's not acceptable. That stays. But does that mean that you can't chase your other versions of success, right? Michigan made the playoff last year, and Jim Harbaugh was talking about in the offseason, they achieved two of their four goals. They beat Ohio State, they won the Big Ten Championship, but they didn't win the national title, and they didn't beat Michigan State last year. They didn't beat their number two rival, but they still made the playoff. Did anyone think Michigan didn't deserve to be there? So listen, I did not think this was going to happen, and I've offered a mea culpa on this. I thought that the committee, if they had Ohio State behind USC, that would kind of be it. They clearly opened the door for Ohio State being behind USC, and that this result clearly is going to put Ohio State in the playoff. There's no doubt about that. I had said initially it would take a blowout of USC for Ohio State to get it before I, I listened to everything the committee said. This might have qualified for it because you saw things, Caleb Williams got hurt, obviously, but you saw things with USC that I do think it's it's a detriment to USC to have to play this extra game. But I think the thing about the extra game is, listen, I don't know that you should have to win it, but if there are things that happen in that game 
that fundamentally change your view of a team. And I think USC's defense was such a problem. Looking at EPA per play, which is just a nice metric, right? A nice way to look at things and to compare teams uh, across several areas. It's a little more sophisticated than just like yards and that kind of thing. Overall, EPA per game going into championship weekend. Ohio State was first in the country, right? Does that mean they're the best team? No, but it's just a statistical model. USC was fifth. So that's overall offenses, defense combined. Offensively, uh, USC was second. Ohio State was fourth. Defensively, Ohio State was 10th. USC was 103rd. And when you break it down to pass defense, Ohio State, with all the problems it had against Michigan and the problems we've talked about all year, Ohio State was 12th. USC was 83rd. So Caleb Williams getting hurt and, and playing with an injured hamstring that he injured on the long run early in that game is really unfortunate. But you come down to the idea of this had been an Achilles heel of USC. It's something you had asked about all year, and then that showed up again with its defensive breakdowns. And I will steal a line from one of the textures in the 614. Alex Grinch finally helped Ohio State make the playoff. As much as um, Kyle Whittingham in Utah, as Urban Meyer said on the postgame, Kyle Whittingham will never have to pay for a drink in Columbus again. Alex Grinch, one-year Ohio State co-defensive coordinator, who then went to Oklahoma, became Lincoln Riley's defensive coordinator. And for whatever reason has been attached at the hip to Lincoln Riley. Lincoln Riley took him to USC, and that defense wasn't good enough. And they patched it with, with force and turnovers. There's a lot of turnover luck. They had intercepted some passes. They had intercepted a lot of passes, and I do think that the interceptions are not quite as lucky as fumbles can be. Um, but they lived and died by the turnovers, and they couldn't get stops here. And it looked a lot, as a million people commented on Twitter during the game, it looked a lot like the Ohio State-Michigan game. In the end... Uh, USC winds up losing by 23. Ohio State lost by 22. The scores are almost identical. 47-24 Utah wins. 45-23 Michigan won. Utah gained 533 yards against USC. Michigan gained 530 yards against Ohio State. Ohio State gained 492. USC gained 419. At the end of the third quarter, Utah was ahead 24 to 17. At the end of the third quarter, Michigan was ahead 24 to 20. So they were close games, winnable games for both USC and Ohio State entering the fourth quarter. USC did score to cut it to 27 24 with 10.52 left. Ohio State had scored to cut it to 31 23 with 7.23 left. So USC was within three points with 11 minutes left. Ohio State was within eight with seven minutes left. Both were one score games. USC is certainly closer. USC allows three touchdowns in the final 10 minutes. Ohio State allowed two in the final seven minutes. So again, a lot of similarities on the college football survivor search. Shahan and I had talked about the idea that Utah was the closest thing to Michigan in the Pac-12. That in a, in a conference where Bo Nix at Oregon likes to throw it around and Michael Penix at Washington likes to throw it around. And clearly we know what Dorian Thompson-Robinson at UCLA and Caleb Williams at USC have done in their game this year. You know, Cam Rising, you guys know him, the Utah quarterback from last year. He can throw it around too, but they play a little bit more of a physical style. They throw to the tight ends. Um, they get after it defensively. And and that was a Michigan style of game. And I will tell you that when you look back on it now, I think Utah was convincing enough with beating USC twice that when you go through a list of people that Ohio State owes a thank you to, I think Billy Napier at Florida is on that list as well because Utah goes out and wins, excuse me, goes on the road to Florida in the first game of the year. That's a long way from home, and they lose in the swamp to Anthony Richardson, the quarterback, who had a good game, and Billy Napier. Florida turns out to be not that good, but Utah put it on the line by going and playing that game, and then they lose in the regular season. They lose by 10 to UCLA, just get outscored, and then they lose a weird game to Oregon. 2017, a close game. But I do think if Utah 
had two losses instead of three, there would be a real case for two loss Pac-12 champ Utah right now uh, because that conference is pretty strong. You'd have two wins against USC, and if they had gone to Florida and won or if they just played like a, a non-conference schedule like Michigan did, right, and just played Weber State or played some random team and gotten that win, man, we would be having a debate, and, and there certainly would be um, not the same kind of certainty about Ohio State's playoff chances if Utah only had two losses. So there's a lot of people, um, you know, Tennessee taking down Alabama, that, but then Tennessee also falling enough to eliminate that. Ohio State's going to get in the back door here, and um, but but deserve I, you got to let them lose, man. And and if for for uh, sometimes I think like there's like these middle aged men who cover college football who are outraged. How dare, how dare this team make the playoff? How dare, how dare this team have a, ch- a shot at a championship? And where do you say that elsewhere? Like why are you so mad? Why are you so mad that a team that lost a game had a bad game, had a bad game plan, got thumped? That means that's it. I will say in the end, it felt like everything that Ohio State did in 2014 over the course of an entire season, the albatross of the Virginia Tech loss, right? An entire season to shake that happened in a week this year. We compressed it. We went from 10 or 11 weeks to one week for Ohio State to shake that loss, and Ohio State is going to be in the playoff. The future is here. I had talked before the Michigan game, could this be the last best game? It was in the moment, and and I meant that in the sense of it means everything, and everything's on the line. And we thought in the moment that it was, and it turns out that it wasn't. So I think it was the last best Michigan-Ohio State game, potentially, but then it wasn't. It was at the time. In your hearts and in our heads, it was. This is it. And now here we are, and for the first time, we're going to have two big dent two Big Ten teams in the playoff. And that's going to become something that's going to become the norm. Every conference is going to have two or three teams in starting in 2024. And that all this came together this week, that we officially are getting to the point where the Rose Bowl budged. We're going to have the 12-team playoff for sure officially announced for 2024. The future is here, and it starts with Ohio State losing to Michigan and making the college football playoff. So how do you feel about it? It's here. Tradition is a good thing. But this fan base, this program, just suffered a devastating loss and is getting a second shot. And that is going to be something that we see more of. You're going to be allowed to lose. Not that either side of Ohio State-Michigan will ever be able to, uh, to lose the rivalry game without consequence, without backlash, without anger, without hurt, without sadness, without pain. But it doesn't mean your opportunity for everything else will be gone. The future is here. Let them lose and still have a chance at their ultimate goal. I think that's better. And maybe this is this is sort of slowly slowly working our way into that. Um, and I was going to say, like, whether anybody wants it or not, I just, who is the Ohio State fan today listening to this? Who's the Ohio State fan standing up and saying, nah, I wish they weren't in it, right? Now that they're going to be in it, do you really wish they weren't? Do you really wish that there was maintaining some whatever integrity, I don't know what it would be, that you lose and you're done? I think we can enter a world where 
Clemson, by the way, is kicking itself today. That one-point loss to South Carolina. If, if Clemson had won, we'd be sitting here saying, who's going to get in Ohio State or Clemson? Whew. A lot of people kicking themselves today. Um, but I, th- I think we're going to be at a place where we can separate, where a team can pull an upset. And that's the thing. People say you're going to devalue the regular season. You're, gonna, you're not going to devalue it for the teams that win because winning is great, and there's great value in winning any single, mo- any single game. The pickup game you you won in your rec league or whatever, right? I mean, the, the, the game that your kid won last week in a, in a youth league. Like, there's value in winning. Now, listen, we all know there's value in losing, too. But but it doesn't have to be as punitive. And so the upsets will still feel great. South Carolina is not going anywhere. They felt great about beating Clemson. But now maybe there's a world where Clemson, okay, Clemson, you lost two games this year. You're still going to have a shot at the playoff. Now you have to play better. You're not going to win it, Right. But maybe, maybe you still get to go in and be an 11 seed and play somebody. I don't think that's terrible. Let them lose, man. Let them lose. And I would, I would like to hear, I, I want to have, and, and I've progressed on this. I certainly used to be. I'd rather have, I'd, I'd rather have a bad team, le- excuse me, I'd rather have a good team left out than a bad team left in, let in. I'd rather have a good team left out than a bad team let in. I said that in the past, for sure. Um, and I think it was, now, as I evaluate it, what makes you a bad team? Because you lost a game? Maybe because you lost two games? Chiefs lost to the Colts, man. Are they bad? Do they have a bad day? So maybe let somebody have a bad day. Sounds like excuse making. It's a tough sport, man. Um, and I've seen, we've all felt it, right? You felt it from each other. You felt it from your friends and family this week. I don't know that it's going to take away from the joy of victory. I don't know that it is. And maybe I'm soft, or maybe you think it's soft. But I think it makes losing a little less punitive at the highest level. And I don't know that that's a terrible... I, I, it's not a terrible thing in my mind. And I think for Ohio State fans, this is your introduction to that. We'll take a quick break and be back on Buckeye Talk. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as uh, simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. All right, we're not going to do a huge Georgia breakdown. I do want to talk about uh, Ohio State playing in a bowl game after losing to Michigan. They were 2-7 and seven in the Cooper era in bowl games after losing to Michigan, but it's almost like that's, that's kind of its own thing. In every other situation, Ohio State is 5-3 and three in bowls after losing to Michigan. Um, and again, it's such a – the way things have changed, it used to be like the Ohio State-Michigan winner more often than not would go to the Rose Bowl and the loser went nowhere. And then, like, late 70s, you start entering a world where there's more bowl opportunities than just the Big Ten champ going to the Rose Bowl. Uh, 1977, they lose, and they go on and lose the Sugar Bowl. 78, Woody's last game, they lose to Michigan, go on and lose the Gator Bowl, obviously. 
80, they lose to Michigan, go on and win the Liberty Bowl. 83, go on and win the Fiesta Bowl. 86, go on and win the Cotton Bowl. 03, go on and win the Fiesta Bowl, beat Kansas State. You guys remember that. 2011, uh, they go on and lose the Gator Bowl, the weird year. And then last year, go on and win the Rose Bowl. And so um, that game, again, that it comes back around on the teams that played this awesome Rose Bowl a year ago. Seems played an awesome Rose Bowl a year ago, and now Kyle Whittingham does that. Kyle Whittingham took over for Urban Meyer. Both Ryan Day and Kyle Whittingham took over following Urban Meyer. And now here they are. Man. Life, man. Man, that's crazy. So you got to go on. I do think the way you saw Ohio State play last year against Utah is indicative of something, and that was without their guys. Now, obviously, I mean, nobody opts out of a playoff game. So all the guys are going to play. Um Georgia. So here's the thing that I think, so there's two things that stop us half a beat short of Ohio State versus Georgia in the Peach Bowl in Atlanta as a sure thing. One is this, if you want a scenario, people love the alternate theories now. I get a little tired of it sometimes. I used to love it. And it's real life is complicated enough. I get less joy from uh, creating weird things that maybe might be a 2% chance of something happening. But we'll do it here. If Georgia loses to LSU and Michigan beats Purdue and Michigan is the one seed and Michigan gets to pick, the state of Michigan, as I understand it, is closer to Atlanta, Georgia than it is to Phoenix, Arizona. And as much as Ohio State has a relationship with the Fiesta Bowl and Ohio State fans in some ways see that as a second home, Michigan does not have the same kind of relationship. So Michigan might just want to go to Georgia. It's closer. And the other part of that was in that scenario previously, it was like, okay, well, not only would Michigan pick Atlanta to go there, they would also want to boot Georgia out of basically a home game that Atlanta clearly, I mean, that's like, you know, that'd be like Ohio State playing in Cleveland or, or Michigan playing in Detroit, Georgia getting to play in Atlanta. But if Michigan would be the one seed and then they booted Georgia to the Fiesta Bowl, and then Ohio State played Georgia in the Fiesta Bowl, that would enhance, I think, Ohio State's chances of beating Georgia. So would Michigan want to help Ohio State? Or would Michigan say, ah, we'd rather go to the Fiesta Bowl. If they're playing TCU. We think we can beat those guys in either place. Let's make Ohio State go to Atlanta and play Georgia. I wonder how that would play, because I do think it would help Ohio State at least slightly. The other scenario is, now listen, they can finagle this however they want. If the if the committee wants Ohio State and Michigan to play in a semifinal, they can make it happen. Maybe TCU looks, looks a little shaky. Maybe TCU loses. If TCU loses, it would not be unreasonable. I would think TCU is still in. I just don't think there's an Alabama conversation. I don't think there's an Alabama conversation. The, the most cynical who believe that the whole thing is nothing but a TV show um, would say that opens the door for Alabama to get in, and then you're looking at Georgia, Alabama, Michigan, Ohio State, ratings galore. I just don't think there's a window for Alabama. Two losses that were close, but also a bunch of other wins that were close, just not that impressive during the course of the year, sitting at home. I just I just think TCU being undefeated right now, TCU's in regardless. But if TCU loses, you could make Ohio State the three. And if Georgia and Michigan both win, would that make an Ohio State 2-3? Or they could easily not do it and keep TCU three. They could do whatever they wanted to do. Would they want Ohio State-Michigan in a semi? I don't think so. I think the idea of let's not have conference foes play in a semifinal makes more sense than, man, that would be a talker for a month. Unless they just voted and honestly just said we're not. Now, if I was in the room, I'd say, listen, guys, 
I know we're voting, but like, who wants to see Ohio State, Michigan again? Let's make them play other people. So I do think it's not a thousand percent Ohio State versus Georgia in Atlanta, but it's like ninety-eight percent. So that's what I would expect. That's what I would start planning on. I don't know. You guys can drive, right? Ohio, that's drivable. It's always one of those things. Atlanta is much closer to Central Ohio than uh, you realize initially. So you can scoot on down there. It's a nice little, uh, nice little, pretty easy drive. And it's gonna, but it's gonna be in Georgia's backyard, and it would be the game that we wanted last year. Now Georgia has changed on the College Football Survivor Show. Shahan and I have talked about this, and I think Tishu and I talked about it initially early in the year. It was like, oh, is Georgia even better? And then they stumble a little bit. Um, the skill guys don't scare you a ton, other than Brock Bowers, right, the tight end, and Stetson Bennett. I mean, again, can you believe? Are we actually gonna get him? Am I actually gonna cover a game that Stetson Bennett participates in? Maybe that's what this whole thing was about. Getting us to that. Getting me instead. It would be my great honor, Mr. Lesmaru, to face you head-to-head like a man in the Georgia Dome where we could meet at midfield and decide this once and for all. And all your shenanigans will come home to roost just like they did for Mr. Nick Saban a year ago. I'm in a hotel room. I hope people didn't hear that. It's going to be weird. So I'm picking up my daughter at college. The, the original plan was go to Indy for the coaches' news conference on Friday, come up here to Chicago, get my daughter, sleep in Chicago. Then she and I would drive back to Indy for the game on Saturday. Um, and then this happened. It's like, oh, okay, well, I don't have to worry about going to Indy. But I'll bring my microphone just in case. So I'm in a, I'm in a hotel room here doing this by myself. But um, can Ohio State beat Georgia? Yes. We did a poll uh, with the tech subscribers, and and people were much more optimistic about beating Michigan in a rematch than they were about beating Georgia. And I, I don't think it should be that much of a gap. Uh, when I gave the options on Georgia, 56% said Georgia. I gave two different versions of everything, but 56% said Georgia, 14% said Ohio State, 30% said it was a toss-up versus the Ohio State-Michigan game. I didn't give a toss-up, but um, 80% Ohio State, 20% Michigan. I don't think the gap should – I think it should be closer. I think it might be more like I'd take Georgia 60-40 over Ohio State, and I might take Ohio State 60-40 over Michigan in a rematch, just like what we talked about with Tyler Shoemaker. If Ohio State can limit those big plays – listen, the one thing is um, we all know Ohio State's going to get healthier. So I, I don't know anything about Jackson Smith and Jake, but could he play? I, I mean, if you give a guy a month off, I mean, maybe. I do think the running backs will be healthier. And I do think some of the explosion, like you saw from the Utah back uh, on Friday night, as much as Chip Trainum, I thought, did a good job in that game. If they can get Mayan and or Travion back to themselves, they've got to have vision. They've got to hit holes. But they do have a chance to pop a play a little bit more than anybody that was carrying the ball against Michigan. Um, and then Jim Knowles has a month. And, and listen, we, we had a lot of a lot of people had very um, reasonably critical things about Ohio State's offensive play calling. And people are saying, what happened to the creativity, you know, that we saw on Ryan Day in the past? Listen, they put up a bunch of yards without Garrett Wilson and Chris Olave against Utah last year. We know Utah was down corners and we're playing young guys, and that was certainly part of it. But it wasn't like Ohio State's offense was a dud in the bowl last year. And two years ago, the bowl game was against Clemson, what I was I what I would call like the peak of the Ryan Day era, right? 2020, you go get revenge on Clemson with that offense when we thought Ryan Day broke. Brent Venables with a month to get ready. So the idea of with a month to get ready, 
what could this Ohio State offensive staff come up with? I mean, I think I think if you believe in yourself, you want the month. If you don't believe in yourself, you're a little nervous the other guy's going to use a month better. Um, but I, I do think I, – I, I don't think it's a terrible matchup. Listen, a year ago we said you can't go through Georgia. you got to throw over them, and that was why I thought Ohio State was the matchup that would have a shot against that real – that excellent, excellent – probably maybe best in college football in several years. Defense, is it that good this year? No, but I think their back end might be better. Um, Kamari Lasseter, Keely Ringo, Javon Bullard in the slot, Chris Smith at uh, safety. They're, they have some really good guys in the back end. I think up front, you know, you lose Jordan Davis, you lose Trayvon Walker. At linebacker, Nolan Smith is out for the year. They lost N'Kobe Dean from last year. I mean, they still have good guys ready to go. Um, Malachi Starks, the freshman, right? But... Um, I think the back end's better and the front end's not quite as good. So what does that mean for the Ohio State passing game? You know, a challenge. Uh, We saw what they did to Tennessee, and that's a good, you know, certainly this offensive staff will look at the way Georgia played Tennessee. Um, And there's enough comparisons, I think, with the way Ohio State and Tennessee both want to attack that they are throwing teams that also do run at a fair share. So Ohio State has a month, and I do think you just remove all of the intangible things. And again, I'll go back to, I just thought initially after the game, is it more internal than external? Is it more like the rivalry itself? And then you have breakdowns defensively. They've got to fix that. And Jim Knowles has to decide when he's going to gamble and when he's not going to gamble. But you take out the internal stuff, and it's like, let's go. And all of a sudden, we talk about it. Oh, my gosh. The underdog card that Ohio State is going to play for the next month. You left us for dead. People said our coach should be fired. People thought this program was in shambles, and now we have a chance to prove the doubters wrong. If you thought it was Ohio against the world before, my, they're going to sell out of those T-shirts for Christmas, man. Are you kidding me? It's going to be almost like it's going to be hard to take because they are going to pound it so hard that idea and meanwhile what's Georgia the defending champion's been number one all year they have all the expectations this is really going to be in some ways man this is going to be in some ways man this is a reverse of 06 Ohio State was number one all year now Georgia's number one all year 06 Florida backdoors it right not only does Ohio State beat Michigan but USC loses and Florida backdoors an invite with one loss, do they even really deserve to be there? Ohio State backdoors this. One loss, do they deserve to be there? Urban played those cards, man. Urban played those cards in 06. He made up fake quotes. Urban played those cards, man. Ryan Day can play those cards. Doesn't mean you can't win just on that. You can't win just on that. But Ohio State has talent. We know that. We know the problems. They know the problems. They know the things to fix. And again, I'm not so sure right now. I mean, Stetson Bennett... All credit in the world to him for winning a national championship last year. He has a chance to win back-to-back national championships as a starting quarterback at the highest level. But who scares you more? Does he scare you more than J.J. McCarthy? The J.J. McCarthy you saw last Saturday, who will take their shots down the field. Not tough throws, but take the shots, move around a little bit, right? Interesting. This is gonna and Michigan's gonna play be playing in the playoff without Blake Corum. I I don't know what the odds are gonna be on an Ohio State Michigan rematch if it's Michigan TCU and Ohio State Georgia, but it's certainly possible, man. And won't that be appropriate, right? In the end, we get a showdown of Ohio State and Michigan, the two defining programs of the Big Ten in a national championship game in Big Ten territory in Los Angeles. If you told Woody Hayes that Ohio State and Michigan 
We're going to play for a national championship by playing for a second time in a season. And the game is going to be played in Southern California, but it's not going to be in the Rose Bowl. He'd do that. He'd be stunned into silence. And I think a lot of us are as well about the opportunity that now is presented to these Ohio State Buckeyes. We'll be back after the playoff announcement on Sunday afternoon. We're going to have a lot of coverage of this thing. Um, Nathan, Stephen, and I, but and the College Football Survivor Show. We'll have a bunch of podcasts there as well looking at this stuff. Um, Tishu called it. Tishu said take the money line with Utah. And here we are. I thought this was a much slimmer chance last Saturday than it turned out to be. Um, the, all the things that happened. LSU losing, knocking them out. Clemson losing, knocking them out. The way the committee evaluated USC and Ohio State and spoke about them. And then in the end, I do think USC was close, right? And that's the thing. It's like some of the some of the characterizations of you you read people or see people saying, they, how, can, how can Ohio State get in? They got blown out by their rival. It's like, well, did they get blown out? I mean, they lost by three scores, but it wasn't like a domination of the entire, entire game. USC was not dominated the entire, entire game, but but USC did kind of like blow it to a larger degree, right? To go up 17-3 to three and then lose the game. Um, they really did fall apart over the final three quarters. So I do think in the end, to me, even if you were in a world where, man, Ohio State shouldn't get in. USC has to, is getting to play in this extra game, and you're going to knock them out for playing the extra game. I think enough went wrong for USC that you would even consider, even if you weren't on that island of like, man, I'm not going to penalize a team for playing an extra game. You might look at the way a USC played with the defensive rating, the defensive holes that have been there all year, and then like, you know, it's hard when you lose your best player, right? And, and I don't know where the Heisman goes from here. I, I don't think CJ's really in it, but I don't know where you go. Max Duggan, the TCU quarterback, I think there's a chance that this is going to be the worst Heisman winner since I don't know who. Two decades, maybe. And all the guys, like the second-place finishers of years gone by, are like, are you kidding me? Like Trevor Lawrence finishing second to Joe Burrow. It's like, man, I wish I was in this race. Because right now, the two best teams, Georgia doesn't really have a Heisman candidate, and I just don't know that you can backdoor your way to Stetson Bennett. I don't know. I believe you can do it. That's a bad one. Blake Corum is Michigan's Heisman candidate, and they won their biggest game of the year without him, and they're going to play the Big Ten Championship game without him. So I don't think it'd be Blake Corum. I don't know that you can go C.J. Stroud when his team lost the biggest game of the year, not be not because of him, but he also they also like didn't rise up and win because of him. So maybe it's still Caleb Williams. I don't, I don't know. Maybe it is Max Duggan from TCU if they have this improbable undefeated season. Maybe that's... Who they who deserves it there? I don't I don't know. Does it open the door for like Bijan Robinson or Hendon Hooker? I mean, the idea that Hendon Hooker got hurt late in the year and missed a couple games when he could have been putting up stats and impressing people. I don't think you're going to get back to Bryce Young. I think there's a chance that this is the most divided Heisman race that we've ever seen. I'm a Heisman voter, and I as I sit here right now, late on a Friday night into a Saturday morning, I have no idea what I'm going to do. I certainly am not locked in on Caleb Williams. And I will take the fact that he was injured in that game and limping and going through a hamstring injury. I will take it into account. Um, But his team also didn't win the game it needed to win, just like Ohio State didn't win the game it needed to win. So anyway, we have a lot of pods ahead. Go read cleveland.com slash OSU. Just kind of wanted um, to be with you guys for half an hour here. 
give you something to listen to. I, I don't have anything to offer that you don't know. But sometimes you just want to hear your own thoughts expressed out loud, especially when you never thought they were going to be. I'm Doug Maurice, and that was Buckeye Talk.